0: Good evening. Today is September 21st and we are studying the big book of alcoholics anonymous. This week's step is on step 3 and our speaker tonight is Stephanie L. Thank you Stephanie L. Take it away.
1: Well, hi everybody. I'm Stephanie L and I am by the grace of God and my higher power um uh I am a recovered compulsive overeater and um That is really a miracle for me to say tonight. Um, I don't have any pictures because um, when I am at my top weight, I refuse to have pictures taken. In fact, it's really funny because I have a four-year-old grandson who is the light of my life, and there are lots of pictures with me and him the first two years, and there's nothing for the last two years. Um, I was in relapse, gained 110 pounds back. Um, and, um, yeah, life was pretty, was, was pretty dark. Um, I've been in OA for, um, going on, I think going on 17 years. Um, I've had periods of recovery. Um, I've gained and lost hundred pounds more times. I'd like to say I have the, the skin and the, str- the stretchy skin and the stretch marks, um, because I have expanded <laughs> and contracted, like, I don't know, my whole life. Um, so it is it is quite a miracle um, that I am here today. Um, I, um, in those two years, um, I had pretty much gotten to the point where I was kind of like just waiting to, I had given up, um, I thought that um, I was pissed off at God, um, and that's that's the name I use for my higher power. I was pissed off, you know. I had been recovered for for like three plus years, and how dare you know God turn on me like this? And um, and then COVID hit, and so I wasn't even leaving the house anymore. I was going from the bed to the chair, back to the chair to the bed binging, um, myself to sleep every night. And I really thought that I was basically going to get COVID and I was going to die. And, um, I was kind of resigned to that fact that, well, I guess this is my life and this is, you know, this is what's going to happen. And, um, all of that changed kind of overnight, I, I worked with many different sponsors. I been to this, you know, this faction of OA to that faction of OA, CEA how, OA how, sponsors from the vision meeting, um, back to OA how, back to sponsors from the vision meeting. And, you know, for whatever reason, I, I just just could not, it's like being in a forest and knowing that there's a path to get out of the forest, but I couldn't access the path it was like the the, the the craziest thing. And, and I, I know that um, the focus for tonight is on step three. I think it's important, you know, I, I, I'm going to like uh, read a little bit off of page 60 in the big book um, because it says being convinced, you know, we were at step three. And so in order for me to work a step three, I have to be convinced that I am powerless over, over, food over this disease and that my life is unmanageable. And I don't know why it took me so many times to really truly, um, understand that I knew I was powerless over food. It was the unmanageability. Mm, I'm high performing. I, I can go to work. I can other areas of my life. I was very successful, but never, never when it came to this food business. So I get, intellectually, I had to get in my heart of hearts that, you know, either continue doing what I was doing and die, or maybe just maybe accept some spiritual help. And, you know, and step two, I had to believe that there was something out there that might restore me to sanity. Because if I don't believe I'm powerless, and I don't believe there's a power bigger than me, then What am I going to turn my will and my life over to? And I can tell you in, in this abstinence, like my prayers began with, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. I don't even know if you are anymore. Maybe you used to be, I don't know, but I know that things are not going well. And there was a part of me that wanted to live just a tiny bit more than the part of me that was just resigned to a slow death in, in the food. So, so being convinced I was at step three and, and the book says, you know, the first requirement is that I be convinced, we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Well, I have lived my life on self-will run riot. Um, (laughs) in fact, even, even today, um, I, I'm a graduate student. I have a paper due tomorrow that is uh, mostly done. Um, And, you know, I can't stop thinking about, well, am I meeting the criteria? Am I going to get an A? What do I need to change? What do I need to do differently versus let me just write a freaking paper and leave the rest up to God. And that's kind of the theme for me. It's like, I can, I can, you know, um, I can try and bend everything to my will and get what I want. And, um, or I can sit back and let my God take care of me. So I have to be convinced that this life that got me to over 250 pounds, my marriage was in shambles. My kids weren't even talking to me. I could barely do my job. Oh, and by the way, I work in the treatment field, so I'm binging my brains out every day, and then I'm meeting with these teenage girls and talking about the big book. Well, let's read the big book. <laughs> it was like, I felt like a fraud all day long. I felt like a fraud. Um, so yeah, self-will does not work for me. Um, and you know, I, I really relate with being this actor, you know, trying to run everything my way, trying to make everything do things the way I want them to do it. And then what usually happens, it says on page 61, the show doesn't come off very well. I begin to think that life doesn't treat me right. I decide to exert myself more, which I'm very good at. I become more demanding or gracious as the case may be. And still people and things are not Doing what I need them to do. It's a constant like frenzy of, you know, um, trying to get things, get people to do things the way I think they should do them. Um, And then the next page on 62 tells me well, selfishness, self centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self delusion, self seeking, and self pity. I step on the toes of my fellows and I retaliate. And I have learned in this program through working the steps that I suffer from a hundred forms of fear. Most of my selfishness is driven by fear that I'm not going to get what I want. Someone's going to take from me what I have, that I'm not good enough that people are going to find out that I'm a fraud and I'm not who they think that they think I am. Um, and that, that drives me to, to try and perform and, um, show you that I'm good enough to be here. Show you that you know I've earned my seat here, and um, it doesn't work because living life that that way, um, I was miserable. Um, I was absolutely miserable. So you know, it also says on sixty-two. First of all, I had to quit playing God, and I've crossed it all the W's and written I. So it's easier for me to read it that way. But first of all, I had to quit playing God, it didn't work. I had made a mess with my my life. Next, I I decided that hereafter in the drama of my life, God was gonna be my director. So I have a director, I'm not the director anymore. I just get, you know, and this is again, a daily challenge because I think one of my biggest problems through that two year relapse is I had to come up with a different type of God because the God that I was the God that I thought was my higher power. I didn't trust the God that I grew up with. I didn't trust. It was a, it was a mean God that was waiting for me to make a mistake or do something wrong or to shame me. And, and that did not work for me long-term. So I had to come up with a God that is personal to me, that loves me unconditionally, that laughs with me, that cries with me, um, that has my best interest at heart, that sometimes disciplines me because I'm a very undisciplined person. Um, I had to come up with a That's God. 10 that, minutes. Thank you. I had to come up with a God. That could be this director that could be this principal that could be my you know my father and that i could trust um i could trust to turn my will and my life over to and you know i'll just i'll just share my faith was in in my god was really challenged a couple months ago um a mare it's very hard for a marriage to survive relapse right no connection at all um, my husband i met in this pro- program uh, we got married in this program um, our whole marriage was um we had a lot of friends in a way and our whole marriage revolved around work in this program and we were both in relapse at the same time so i was in one corner he was in another corner we weren't talking we weren't communicating i mean It was like, we were just roommates. And and a couple months ago, um, something had to give and we ended up having, um, making the decision to separate. And, you know, again, I was like, why are you doing this to me, God? Why are you putting me in this position? Why, what, what, what am I supposed to do here? And it turned out my husband needed another program too. Um, And that's okay. But here was the difference. God didn't give me what I wanted, but I can look back now and see that God gave me what I needed and God gave my husband what he needed because as a result of, of things coming to a head like that, my husband took a 60 day chip on Sunday. He's, I'm watching like this miracle that God is doing in his life and we're still living apart but we're trying to work he's working his program I'm working my program and we're trying to figure out how to build a brand new marriage because that's what this program gives me it gives me a whole new life and it makes everything everything in my life new if I get out of God's way because in my selfishness I wanted my husband to move back in after like 30 days. He hadn't even, he, he had barely worked step one, but I, you know, so, so I guess I'm, I'm bringing that up because I, the more I let go and the more I let God drive my car and sit in the back seat and find a way to just accept life on life's terms, the better my life is. And I don't have to understand why things happen the way they happen. But here's the thing I have a new employer, and that employer is all powerful. And that new employer, my God, has provided what I need as long as I keep close to him and as long as I keep the channel open. Because the minute that I start taking things back and I stop doing this work and I stop plugging into this power, self-will creeps in slowly. It's like, um, if you've ever heard Herb K or been to one of his workshops, he talks about the dimmer switch and the dimmer switch goes down gradually. Like it goes up gradually. And I don't always see it when, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having this spiritual awakening and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, it's not dark anymore. And then it works the other way. The dimmer switch goes down slowly. And all of a sudden I'm in the dark in a, in a self-created prison of compulsive overeating again. And I know and this, this big book promises me that if I do this work, I don't have to go back there, but I have to, I have to know that there is a God in my life personal to me and I'm not it. And I I, want to just close with this. More and more I became interested, and this is this is really my experience. I became interested in seeing what I could contribute to life. As I felt new power flow in, as I enjoyed peace of mind, as I discovered I could face life successfully on life's terms, as I became conscious of his presence, I began to lose my fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. I was reborn and that's what's happened to me Um, one day at a time. Um, And it's like a daily thing for me. Step three is not a one time only. It's like every day I have to recommit and let God know that I'm turning it all over. Hey, whatever you wanna bring to me, you wanna give me an F on this paper, fine. I'll do the work, but the results are up to you. I have to be reminded of this. You want my husband and I to just Divorce and go our separate ways, I will be okay with that too. Whatever, whatever, whatever God's will is for me, because I know I screw everything up.
2: Five minutes. And so I feel like
1: I was all over the place, but thank you for letting me share. I'll close with that.
0: Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was great. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We accept you. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the hands raised in order. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each chair and announce when time is up.
2: Who would like to share or ask a question first? Oh, Angela, sorry, didn't see you. Hey everyone, I'm Angela, um, compulsive overeater, really grateful member of OA. Um, Stephanie, I have a question for you. I'm wondering if you could, um, thank you so much for your share and your honesty. Um, It was wonderful hearing you. Can you share what it's like to uh, be in relationship with someone uh, that's in program, uh, how that's changed your lang- the language that you use uh, together? Thanks.
1: Sure, well, um, as I said, we met in program.
2: Um,
1: we've been married 12 years, we've been together 14 years. So we met in OA, so we've kind of always talked the same OA language, what I can say though, is when we are both in recovery and we have sponsors and we're working a program, we have a great relationship, right? Cause we can do the whole, Hey, this is getting a little heated, <laughs> go call sponsors or whatever the case is. Um, when we're not, um, it doesn't matter that we speak the same language. It doesn't matter that we eat similar foods. It doesn't matter. Um, none of that matters because um, we're both in our corners in um, basically food health. So, but it's a beautiful thing to be with someone who, when you're both working a program and you're both really um, working towards a spiritual solution to the problem. So, Hope that answers your question.
2: Thank you, Angela, for your question. Stephanie, for your answer. Uh, next, we have Wendy S. Hello again. Um, still Wendy S. Uh, recovered compulsive reader for today. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was really, really wonderful. And I have a question for you as well. Um, and I don't want to assume that you're like me, but <laughs> If I, you know, were going through those things too, like getting an F on a paper, or or possibly getting through a divorce, I'd be. My initial reaction is kicking and screaming. No way do I want to accept this as it is. So my question for you is, um, how do you get in? What is your process to get into acceptance of your higher powers' will for you?
1: Well, I can tell you that I had some sleepless nights, um, when this all went down with my husband. Um, and there was one night in particular when I kept praying and I just could not, I wasn't finding any relief. Now the amazing thing is food was never, food has not been an option this entire time. Like, you know, I, that is amazing. Um, and I picked up the phone and I called someone at 11, 11 o'clock at night and she picked up and I said, and I was crying hysterically and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it through the night. I, I, I am really struggling. And for whatever reason, and this is someone I rarely talk to, she knew what to say. She just, so for me, God talks to me through people, through situations. God talks to me through um, when, I'm, um, when I'm meeting with a client at work and we're talking about recovery, sometimes things come out of my mouth that I need to hear. And so in those times when I really struggle reaching out to someone and telling someone my truth, so I first pray because that's what I'm taught to do and it's not second nature to me still, Right please help me, please take this from me. It's too big for me. It's yours. Like that's my favorite on the moment prayer or the serenity prayer is one of my favorites, you know, show me what I can control. Show me what I can't control. Help me, help me accept this. Call someone, maybe do some journaling, um, you know, do a 10th step. Um, but you know, I'm really working on praying first and then trusting, right? So if I believe that my God loves me unconditionally and has my best interests at heart, then I have to trust. And real quick, there's like this meme that used to be on Facebook. I think about it a lot. And it's this little girl with this teddy bear, tiny small, and she's holding it and she won't let it go. And there's God in front of her and behind God's back is this huge, massive teddy bear. And she won't let go of the little tiny thing, but she doesn't know what God has in store for her. And so I think about that too. I don't know what God's will, at why my job is just to say, okay, and then go find someone to help. I've sponsored, you know, like at one point I was sponsoring a co- like two people at the same time. Um, just threw myself into service. So I don't know what the formula is. I know those are some things that have helped me along the way.
2: Thank you Wendy for your questions. Stephanie again for your answer. Next we have Michelle.
3: I thought I would blow my nose before I unmuted. Hi guys, Michelle O. Z. I have a cold, um, compulsive overeater and bulimic and uh, happy to be with you tonight. Um, I just would love to hear more, Stephanie, if you can share about, I I related to what you said about being in the forest and knowing there's a way out and not seeing it. And I, I am so thankful. I have this gut God sense that, that OA has got the path for me. And I, I trust the voice of recovery I hear, but I am sure it's just a lack of surrender. And I don't know why I'm not looking at the path the right way. I'm not seeing it, but I just would love to hear um, you speak a little bit more about that. And um, and maybe it has everything to do with what you are saying about how, you know, you what you just shared, you don't know the path, um, you don't know the right way of what God has in store for you. But um, anyway, I'd love to just hear more about that, whether it's in initial recovery or relapse. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So I love, there's a passage here on page 25, and it talks about there being no middle of the road solution. It says we have but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situa- situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual health. And for whatever reason, I could not accept spiritual help. I could not, I, I could not, like, I wish I, I wish I could like tell you, here's the formula A plus B equals C, because for those of us who have relapse histories and have had recovery and then relapsed, I mean, I guess I should just speak for myself. Um, but I don't know what, what happens in that moment that I want recovery just a little bit more than I want the food. Like the pain of being in the food is just a little bit more than the pain of being abstinent in the beginning. Because that first week of abstinence, I didn't sleep. I um had my body was so used to um binging like like food was like melatonin. Like the first like three to four days, I was up most of the night going. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the night and I just I don't know. There was a part of me that wanted it wanted it more. I didn't want like at the end I was crying while I was eating. I was shoving I was sure I was going to choke and die because I was eating like I was binging violently. Shoving the food in my mouth so quickly and so hard. So I I don't know what the formula is. I will say I I I went to the OA birthday party and I heard a speaker while I was eating, while I was at the birthday party on Zoom, crumbs all over my laptop. I heard a speaker talk about, she said, you can have all the desire in the world to stop eating compulsively. The problem is the lack of power. And I heard her because there's a lot of shame when I'm eating and gaining so much weight. You know, 110 pounds, like you can't hide that. You know, I had so much shame. So many sponsors let me go because I couldn't not eat for three days or or a week to start the steps. I mean, there was some crazy stuff that people asked me to do during that time that I, I just didn't have the power to do. And I heard her say that and something clicked. Something clicked in that moment. Yeah. I I don't know if that answers the question because I I don't know what the answer is. I used to ask people that same thing. What did you do specifically? What was the moment? I wanted to create the moment. I wanted to force the moment that I was going to surrender. And it kind of happened when I wasn't looking.
2: Thank you, Michelle, for your questions, Stephanie, for your answer. Would anyone else like to share on step three uh, and or ask a question?
0: Nina. Thank you, Nina Compulsive Overeater. Um, Thank you, Stephanie, for your pitch tonight and welcome to anyone who's new or accepting time. I just want to suit up and show up for my recovery. I have a friend that says everything's a third step issue. And I hate it when that person says that because <laughs> I'm usually complaining about something. <laughs> He's like, remember, it's a third step issue. Um, but to be relieved, you know, I, so I have a disease of more and I have a mental obsession. And I really like that you spoke about um, your interpersonal relationship that is helpful to me because I, um, am going to marry somebody in the program next year. And I'm grateful to know that, like, even if it gets hard, we can still use the program for our foundation. And we do that. We do use the program for our foundation for things like, Oh, we pause and pray. And, um, Oh, if it's too hard, we're clearly need to stop because if it's getting too hard, like that's not living in the flow of life. I got to pause and I got to get back in the boat. That means I'm swimming upstream. And there are things, and also just, you know, keeping emotional sobriety, but you know, that's like in new fun love stuff. And I have been previously married, so I know that it's not all rainbows and butterflies. And that's kind of how I feel about recovery too, is I'm like, it has been easier in the past. And I know it's easier if I just stay and it's accumulative for me if i steer away from it then it's harder and then if i come back uh food gets easier it just is and other times i feel totally relieved and then other times i don't and i like what you said about having like my problem is the lack of power and as a person who grew up in a lot of trauma and drama I feel like hell no, I don't want to let go of my power. The power is the only thing that I made me survive. And I feel like, um, I have problems. So I'm almost six foot tall and, um, I feel like I have this huge, this big body. Right. I'm like, I fill up the doorway is what I always like. My height fills up the doorway and I have these broad shoulders. And, uh, I feel like, that is a power thing for me that I have to, you know, it's like I have a shrunken power because I can't like stand up tall sometimes, but then I don't want to give away that power because I feel like it's the only thing that helps me sometimes. And it's a total illusion, delusion. I I get it because God made me exactly how I am. And I'm exactly the size, shape, color picture that I'm supposed to be. And I, my sponsor always says your weight is none of your damn business. Um, That is It's just none of your damn business. And it it hits a chord with me always. Cause I'm like, oh, that's right. Again, my resistance, always my resistance to that, to giving that power over. And I feel so small if I do that. Even though I'm not a small person, there's in no way in my weight loss or gain over however many years I've been alive, um, has my size shrunk. I've always been the same height. Like that doesn't ever change. And it's such a it's such a lie that my brain tells me and that obsession around just like wanting more perfectionism and not just living in acceptance of my body so i appreciate what you talked about tonight so much it is a third step issue for me a third step you know i always need the third step prayer every single day and um, i'm going to keep coming back to hear people like you give me hope because if there's a problem in my marriage later we can do all kinds of creative things and we don't have to recreate the wheel, but we get to stay in the commitment of that. And I appreciate that, thanks.
2: Thank you, Nina. Next we have
4: Michelle. Hi everybody, I'm Michelle, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Chicago. Uh, Stephanie, I really loved what you had to say, Um, specifically, a bunch of things stood out for me, but I love the whole imposter thing of how cunning, baffling and powerful our disease can be of pretending you're walking the walk uh, when you're really not. And for me in previous times and in program, when I was trying to get in a recovered state of mind and body, I just felt like, like a fake everywhere I went. So I loved that. But I did have a question for you. Um, I have coming up on eight months of recovery, which is wonderful. And I am beyond stressed at work right now, or beyond stressed in general, like stress, stress, real life stress, uh, like life whacking me upside the head stressed. And, you know, the idea of step three of turning my will in my life over I've noticed recently I've wanted to do this. I've wanted to strangle it and I pray and then I'll reach out and everything, but I'm not sometimes getting that relief or I'll do a 10 step. I'm just curious, you know, uh, the challenges that you talked about with your marriage. I mean, that's stress. Um, I'm just curious from your perspective, any any guidance? I know you've kind of said it all. I just, you know, would like to hear somebody recovered. (laughs)
1: I so relate. Um, I work, I go to school. Um, my husband and I are the legal guardians of our four-year-old grandson. So I take care of him too. And, um, what I committed to this time around was no matter how busy my life is or how stressed I feel that I'm spending 30 minutes every, every morning with, God in, in prayer and meditation, no matter what. Um, I reach out and connect with people, at least three people a day. I get to a meeting. I guess what I'm trying to say is I have to put my recovery above all of this stuff because without it, things are Get really bad really quickly, and when I feel like I'm starting to get like this, like even before this meeting, I was like, "Oh my God, I committed to do this, and I have to finish this paper. I'm never going to get this paper done. I've got to get the paper done." Okay, Travis is going to go to bed at this time, and then I'm going to have only this much time to get my paper done. How am I going to do it? It was like before I logged on, I just sat quietly for like two minutes and said, "God, I need you. I'm not." I, I, I need to get centered, I know you've got this, show me what you would have me do. And I have to do that throughout the day when I feel like it's too much. And sometimes I forget to do it. So then I have, to, you know, like I said, I make a call and someone reminds me, but I had a sponsor who, from a while ago, who used to say, the time that you invest in your spiritual growth will pay dividends throughout the day. Cuz when I was told to spend 30 minutes I'm like you don't know me. You don't know my life. I don't have 30 minutes. I don't even have 30 minutes in the morning. And that 30 minutes became the foundation of this new relationship with this God who is giving me all this power to get through. All, you know what I mean? Like that became the foundation. So I have to I have to spend that time I need quiet time or take a walk or I have a spiritual area that I do my spiritual work in or just sit in a chair and just sit there for just a couple minutes and close my eyes and ask for peace. Um, That has to be the priority. Because if not, yeah, I like the drama. I like to swim in the chaos. Let me go. I've got <laughs> Thank you, you so
2: much.
0: We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or chairs. With the Zoom hope please stop. Please stop the recording.